Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, everybody. Captain Lou here. Hey, if you're like me, you want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. While Mariler Brothers Golf has polos that look good and feel good with their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel good and look just as good. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to get your golf game better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Mailer Brothers Golf Signature Polos. Mailer Brothers Golf has a large catalog of photos with designs for those who want a loud design or maybe more of a sleek and subtle looking design. They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience that much better. Hey, when you're at MailerBrothers.com, Make sure you use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off your discount. That's the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off. MailerBrothers.com, your place to go for polos and making yourself look good on the golf course. And again, use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off. That's MailerBrothers.com. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Pressure throws it to Eckler on the screen. He's got a block to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. High pass. Did Williams make that catch? My goodness. For a first down, Herbert with time. Now running out of time. Throws on the run. Down the sideline. Caught in the end zone. Keenan Allen for the touchdowns. Throws, and again it's intercepted. And that's Asante Samuel. Here's another one. Oh, watch out. How did it feel when Derwin James absolutely powerbombed the f*** out of me on national television? You're listening to the Shock Therapy Podcast with Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. And it's opening day. Uh, Padres game got moved from 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock, so we're trying to get this in kind of quick because we want to watch some baseball. I got my my Machado jersey on. You got some of your stuff on. I mean, this is a great day, man. It's a great day for baseball, for football, for everything. I'm stoked. It's one of those unofficial holidays. And uh, as a sports fan, you can't help but be excited, especially coming off of, you know, all of the the intense matchups we were seeing in the World Baseball Classic. Um, this is a, a prime time for sports. NBA's wrapping up. NHL's wrapping up. Got the launch of the MLB season, and we are right in the middle of all the excitement for uh, NFL offseason action. So it's a good time to be a sports fan. I'm excited. Uh, I think you could hear it in my voice. And so let's get this over with. So watch some opening day Padre baseball. Opening day Padre baseball. They're playing the Rockies. I'm trying to get tickets to Beer Fest tomorrow. Uh, There's a lot of giveaways. Have you had a chance to look at all the different giveaways that they're doing? I saw all of the bobbleheads, um, and they got a pretty stacked lineup. just with the, the bobbleheads alone. So, no, I, I don't have the full promo, but 
that Padres marketing team has done such a fantastic job these last couple of years uh, for one, uh, getting all this talent here. And then they've been capitalizing to, you know, exploit, you know, get that out to the masses and the San Diego Padre faithful are, are such a good franchise. It's now like the only professional team in town. So um, you, you could, I can't imagine what it's like down there. I'm up, I'm up here in Northern California um, and I'm excited. I can't imagine what the atmosphere is like down in uh, Southern California. I mean, what are your expectations for the Padres this season? Cause they have a stacked roster. It's, it's better than it was last year. I mean, yeah. anything shy of world series obviously is, is, uh, you know, but how many wins are we going for here? What, what is, what is the Padres me, ceiling? You got to look to me. It's a, it's always short term. I mean, uh, last year we had two of the best teams ever assembled in the Dodgers and Yankees, not even make it to the World Series. So nothing in October is, is guaranteed. So for me, the first step is dethroning the Dodgers as the NL West uh, favorites. And they're not as good as they were last year. No, they've taken any some... stretch of the imagination. No, but they've dominated and absolutely ran through this division for the last decade. It starts there. Punch your ticket, win a division title, get that pennant. And then things look good for you coming into October. Um, so uh, that that that's for me. I, I need a, an NL West title. I haven't seen one since I was living in San Diego back when I was eight or nine years old. And so love to see that happen. I, I think that's the first step. And my expectations are win the division, get in the playoffs, have a deep run. Everything else from there is extracurricular because this team is locked up for a, a good time or for a long time. This core is, is here for to here to stay. Um, and so Padre baseball is going to be relevant for a while. It, it, it's looking like that. I want to see Machado get this MVP. <laughs> I feel like it got away from him last year. Yeah. Uh, and I think he was more than deserving of it. I mean, he, he willed his way on this team. He really brought everybody together. He's the we'll get Fernando back sometime next month. Um, so Fernando should be back here pretty, pretty soon. I was really glad that that the Padres made it as deep as they did because it really cut down the amount of time he had to, to wait on with his uh his uh suspension. Yeah. So that was huge. He'll he'll be he's due to return April twentieth and um he's due to return April twentieth and, and that big deep run in the playoffs that we had is a big reason for that. It was expecting to be a couple months into the season and now we're gonna get him midway through the first month. Um Pretty good spot. And to he's be an in. MVP candidate too. I, and I'm, I'm seeing, sure he's going to be hungry. I need a Manny MVP. I need a Tatis comeback player of the year. And while we're at it, let's get greedy. Give me you Darvish as uh, my Cy Young winner. <laughs> that's that's another big one, right? We got Blake Ricky, Snell baby. starting tonight. I mean, this team is stacked, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Uh, there's a lot of cool giveaways. I know that they're doing uh, Boggart's jersey at the end of the year. Those uh those uh those city connect jerseys um they're so expensive it's like 180 dollars the miami vice looking ones yeah the miami vice i love those man those are awesome i love our just the going back to the brown and gold i always thought it was such a, a, a interesting color aesthetic and then with the pinstripes um i think we got some of the most attractive jerseys in, in all of sports definitely in the mlb but for something, a sport with so much tradition, uh, where in my opinion, it's simple is is more, you know, less is more. 
Um, I love the, the Padres aesthetic wearing that brown and gold. Yeah. Well, let's get into some football. So today we're going to be breaking down linebackers. We're going to be breaking down some of our favorite running backs. Uh, if you go over, by the way, while I'm saying this, because I never seem to say it, I always forget. If you're watching this video, please subscribe. Uh, we, we are trying to build this YouTube network a little bit. I feel like I always forget to say, like, please subscribe. If you're watching, subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into some of our favorite prospects. We're going over linebackers. We're going over running backs. And I'll let you go ahead and, and get the first jump. Uh, who are you going to be talking about first? I'll let you pick linebackers or running backs. Your choice. I'll just go from the top of my list. So I, I pick my linebackers first in the Guy on the top of my list is uh, Diane Henley. The Washington State Cougars have not put a linebacker into the NFL since 2002. Uh, Ray Smith, don't know who that guy is, don't know how his career ended, but that streak looks like it's going to end this season in the form of Diane Henley. And I don't know if you watched any Cougar football this season. Um, for a little while, they were a highlight in the Pac-12. That defense was buzzing. It was difficult. They were ranked um, in the top 25 in the nation for a little while. And number one was a big reason for that. Um, to say last year was his, his best season of his career is a little bit of an understatement. He transferred to Washington State after five seasons um, in Nevada. So he's one of those COVID super seniors, uh, comes with a lot of experience. During his time in and uh, with the Wolfpack, accumulated – 150 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, no sacks. He did have four interceptions his last season with Nevada. Um, but he really put it all together this last season in 2022. 106 total tackles, 12 for loss. He got his first sacks and got four of those last season. Picked off a, a fumble, had two fumble recoveries and forced three himself. And so he is an interesting story. Um, not a super recruited uh, prospect. He he came. He comes from Southern California, Crenshaw High School, a two-star recruit at quarterback, and went to Nevada. He played snaps at quarterback, wide receiver, edge, linebacker, safety, nickel, kick returner. Uh, this guy is a, a a football player. It, it's simple as that. He had some injuries through 2019, but like I said, this last season he's coming off of. He was really really impressive. Um, Received first-team All-Pac-12 recognition, was the Pac-12 Newcomer of the Year, went to the Senior Bowl, had a good showing there, um, and made history as the first Washington State Cougar to be named a finalist for the Buckkiss Award given to the top linebacker in the nation. And so the first thing you're seeing with this tape, this dude can make plays. Um, and you, Washington State's head coach, Jack Dick, Jake Dickert, was, has – has so much praise for this kid uh, with his hands usage, his blitzing ability, which is relatively new. He didn't have a single sack during his time at Nevada. Um, I think the best, he is so dynamic in that short area. Um, I think you could see that here on the film. When you are able to, at 6'2", 232 pounds, use that length to your advantage, flash that speed when necessary, you're, you're going to be a problem in the backfield. And he was terrorizing Pac-12 offenses all year. As a tackler, as sure as they come, he knows when to 
wrap up. He knows the proper technique and he knows when he needs to lay a lick on somebody, he's going to lay that shoulder and lay uh, a heavy hit on guys. Um, really came along as a blitzer. Like I mentioned these last, this last season, um, adding that value as a pass rusher, which is so important, especially moving away from Drew Tranquil, who really saw some uh, success there last season. That would be a nice fit for the chargers. Um, I think, his biggest knock is his inexperience. He, this guy is a football player who doesn't have, who hasn't really found his groove yet. Um, but I think day one, he's going to add so much juice to an NFL special team lineup. Uh, and he has a ton of success as a special team uh, contributor in, in college. Um, he's lined up in every unit except field goal team in his six year collegiate um, career. And so, what you're getting with this guy is a, a a guy who needs a position, but I I like him as like a hybrid linebacker, safety, early or later in his career, instantly a special team contributor come day one. I like him. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of him. I'm I, uh, I I hear that he's like really really good in coverage, right? Like of all yeah. the scouting reports I read and everything, like his coverage ability is something that that is kind of what shines out. Um, what did you think about his coverage ability? No, I think it comes natural. Um, and it's so interesting when you get a guy who played receiver mostly through his high school career, who played a little bit receiver for the Cougars, and then to switch them, it doesn't always translate. But he kind of has the 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 knack. He kind he knows what receivers are trying to do, and he reads that. He has great instincts. He's always in the right place. Great timing, uh, very few like pass interference or getting to the ball carrier too early. Um, so he kind of he, he's coming from the offensive side of the ball. So he has some more knowledge than most players um, with the lack of experience on the defensive side of the ball. But I think that's going to come with NFL coaching. I, I think he's a great multi-tool type of player. Um, I think it, the, the biggest thing is we don't really have a position for him. There and I think that's so valuable in today's NFL, where you we're turning into a positionless type of style, and he can do so many things for you. I think he's going to be a tremendous asset to whichever team uh, takes a flyer on him. Where do you think he's going to get drafted at? Uh, most of my guys I'm are kind of a mid round pick yeah. for him, mid to late round pick for him. Uh, and I think it's all relying on scheme fit. Uh, what do teams need? And I think that that's goes for everybody. You know, linebackers but, are the position that typically fall, right? That's yeah. What, typically what you see. I, I could see him squeezing into the middle of the second round, but I think my, my, I'm honing in on him. As soon as the third round rolls around, uh, Henley's on the top of my list. And I think that's going to be his range mid second round to early third round. Um, I think you get into that third round, you're going to get a tremendous value from this kid. All right. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about Noah Sewell. Noah Sewell is the Oregon linebacker, uh, played for the University of Oregon, and his brother Penne was the top 10 pick by the Detroit Lions just like two seasons ago. Uh, in high school, the younger Sewell, he transitioned from quarterback to linebacker and went on to become like a really good five-star recruit, finishing his career playing on both sides of the ball, 206 total tackles in high school, 28 tackles for loss. He was actually like the number 13 overall um, prospect in the 2020 class. Uh, at Oregon, he was named the Pac-12 freshman defensive player of the year 
And in his junior year, he earned all first team, all Pac-12. Uh, and he was a, a award semifinalist for the Buckus Award. Uh, despite kind of like a little bit of an underwhelming 2022 season, uh, Suo, he's still one of the top prospects in this class just through the physical and like his physique and his physicality and his just sheer size, strength. He's just a really, really excellent run defender. And his play style as a thumper and that ability to come downhill, stack, shed blocks, uh, fills gaps in the run game, it's really unparalleled. Uh, the issue being kind of his tendency to overrun plays. Uh, he's being he's he's really exciting, and he's always kind of excited for that big play to always happen. But instead of taking the big time big play, sometimes you just need to take the smaller ones. Uh, his coverage skills can be really impressive, though they can be kind of inconsistent. Uh, he has some lapses in judgment. Uh, his combine performance is really what popped recently, uh, and you see that on tape. He's he's a freak athlete. He's really fast. He's explosive. Uh, those are like major keys to his game. So his durability and mental toughness are also underrated aspects of the scouting report. Uh, he never missed a game despite suffering multiple minor injuries here and there. Little nicks and bruises played through them all. Uh, he's got that size, strength, physicality that really leaves a lot of defensive coordinators salva salvating. Uh, prior to last season, he had a legitimate first round hype. Like this guy was all over the place in, in media. Um, but I think that his 2022 season, some of those lapses of judgment, uh, some of those little issues that he was making, it's kind of getting him dropped a little bit. But overall, like he's he's a physical specimen. He's big, he's strong, he's all over the field. And he's just a really fun, exciting player to watch. Uh, the issue just being those mental lapses, right? Like he's very inconsistent. It's either a big play or it's like, oh, man, what, did, what are you doing? Why, why are you overrunning your gaps kind of thing? But I really like him a lot. I, I think he's going to end up going kind of in the third round. I think if he would have been eligible like last season to come out of the draft, like he would have definitely been like a first or second round pick uh, because you're looking at him in, in the same breath as, um, you know, some of the top linebackers athletically. Like he's he's fast, he's strong. He's one of those hybrid, like, Micah Parsons guys who can rush off the edge. Um, the issue being, though, is just, like, what happened last season? Why did he drop so much? And it kind of sucks to see that from him as a guy who was so highly, highly recruited uh, and such a big name. Like, everybody heard has heard of Noah Sewell. Uh, but for whatever reason, something happened between, you know, his sophomore and junior season. Uh, I'm really excited to see where he ends up going because he he's a really, really good player. Yeah, I, I like Sewell too, and he, I think you kind of summed it up there, but just like his physicality that he brings to the team, I think is something that we as a unit have, have been missing since uh, Denzel Perriman, who when he was getting drafted, they were calling him Mini Ray Lewis, and I don't think they are the same type of hitters, but that phys physicality, that old school kind of we're going to hit you in the nose type of player, um, I think it, it is missing on the Chargers defense, so I think he would be a, a decent addition. Uh, my the guy I looked at, and I re I really like this guy, Demarvion Overshone out of Texas, one of those COVID fifth year senior guys. Um, actually got recruited to Texas as a hard hitting, physical in the box safety. Wasn't able to carve out enough snaps for him, so they moved him to linebacker. And this guy had a very very successful career: two hundred forty nine tackles, thirty and a half. Tackles for loss, nine sacks, 
three interceptions on his career. He could do a little bit of it all. And that position change has shown him that he has the ability to be a versatile defender at all three levels of the defense. Um, and looking at it, just his physical physique, he's one of the most physically impressive prospects pound for pound that we have in, in the entirety of this draft, regardless of draft position. This dude, 6'4", 220 pounds. He has the size, speed, athleticism, all of the intangibles to be an impactful defender at the next level. And I talked about how versatile he is. He can align up multiple positions on the field. That's going to make him valuable to any team, any scheme, missing any type of you know depth needs, starter needs. He could do it all. Against the run, he has sideline to sideline speed. He consistently tracks ball carriers down when you think he can't make a play. He gets there, and he does it with a violent temperament. This guy is another one of those old school, nasty, he's going to make you, he gets his you type of player. Um, and then with that experience as a defensive back, coverage is so key, especially at the linebacker position, right? Your first step is can they defend the run, but guys are throwing the ball so much. Having versatile defenders in the middle of your defense is so valuable to, for in today's NFL. Um, with his ability to flip, his hips he gets great depth on his zone drops and it's going to make him an asset in zone coverage uh this dude knows how to make plays another guy who can use his length to his advantage uh decent in man coverage knows how to match up with the big tight ends and can out athleticize you know just be better athlete than some of those slot receivers which is, is pretty impressive because those guys are some of the best athletes we have in the in the world um moving down i i think he can quicken up his processing speed. I think I see him get doesn't make a decision as quick as, as I would like to see at times. Um, that makes him blockable. Uh, the the inside and guards can get to him and just stall him out of plays. Um, now I think he's going to be able to get rid of that because I think this size he has the strength to get those guys off of him. I think he just needs a little coaching at the highest level to to fix that play recognition and that's just going to come with some time um i think what you're getting with this guy is size and speed i think that's the most intriguing for any prospect coming into the draft uh, especially at on the defensive side of the ball and so teams who need a versatile playmaker who need fill uh depth at, at multiple positions linebacker db I think this guy overshone fills in nicely um, again, nasty tackler. And I think he has the potential to be really great. Eventually um, needs to shore up his timing. He's a little bit inconsistent in his tackling technique. Um, but besides that, I think he's a phenomenal prospect and I'm uh, going to be excited to see how his NFL career turns out. What do you think uh, he's going to end up getting drafted at? I think this is a lock as a, a third rounder. Um, no way. First round's out of the picture. Second round, I think, is too rich. And I honestly think more kind of second half of the third round. Um, I could see him as he was, a, said, he was a five-star prospect. Like, he's another big player who's, like, had a yeah. story, you know, high school career. Mm -hmm. And then just didn't seem to do the same. Like, those expectations, he didn't end up making them yeah. the way that a lot of people expected. No, definitely didn't live up to, you know, his hype coming out of, of high school, and that's definitely going to affect his draft stock. 
still, I, I think we found his his position. It, he's a, he needs to be in the second level of the defense as you know one of those in like another like our money backer, a guy who can do a little bit of it all. He's going to get up in your face. He's going to be able to plug holes against the run. But most importantly, he has that coverage versatility. I just don't think it was a right fit playing in the Big 12 with Texas, with all of that hype. I think it's with the expectations kind of moving away from him, going in the third round, if the, if not the fourth round, um, is going to kind of alleviate a lot of pressure off his soldiers, let him get back to what he does well. And that's pl- playing football. Uh, when you're bringing all this baggage, it slows down your processing speed, which to me is his biggest problem. We can clear that, not make him the guy that needs to make a play every time. Uh, I, I think that's going to bode really well for his future. And on a Chargers defense, I think that makes is the perfect formula because you got a bunch of dogs on there. He's just another guy. He's going to make plays. He's going to be heard. Um, but I, I, he doesn't have to be every down the guy making the play. Am I frozen or are you frozen? On opening night. Can you hear me? Uh oh. For a second. Don't know what happened. There's two of you. I don't know why that happened either. Let's go ahead and remove myself. <laughs> All right. We'll do a little switch. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit about um, Jack Campbell. For whatever reason, linebackers named Jack just have a way of just being great. You know, you think about uh, Jack Lambert. Think about uh, Jack, um, uh, Miles Jack. You talk about um, Jack Ham. I mean, Jack and linebacker go together so well. I don't know what it is. And Jack Campbell is going to be the next great Jack. Uh, he actually has a nickname. He goes by Captain Jack, which is awesome. Uh, play. There he is. All right. So we'll talk a little bit about Captain Jack. So Captain Jack went and played for the University of Iowa. Uh Losing my notes here. He had a really, really successful football career uh, as an unheralded player and worked his way up from being a high-level starter in 2021. Earned the Buckus Award as the nation's top linebacker in college football in 2022. And he also graded as PFF's second-highest-graded linebacker among all Power 5 schools. The only player who graded above him was Ivan Pace. Uh, He's known for his high-level talent and high character, being a permanent defensive captain during his time at Iowa. Uh, he's extremely well-built, 6'5", 250 pounds. I mean, that's rare size, and he's got a really stout base to combat blocks. He has also average range, but he's really strong physical tackler who brings momentum and effort on every down. One of the areas of his strengths and is his patience waiting for gaps to open. Very, very patient player. Immediately fills them instead of running himself out of position, which is something a lot of young linebackers tend to do. Uh, They either run themselves out of position or they don't get there fast enough. Uh, He's a guy who really scrapes and and finds where that hole is going to be and fills it in a hurry. Uh, He's also got great awareness to scrape blockers and kind of limit the amount of space in between 
uh, gaps and and it forces running backs to make a decision and he's there right there so uh, he isn't particularly twitchy he's not like a he's not some of the bigger athletes you typically are seeing at the position you're seeing a lot of safeties that are converting into linebacker and they're really athletic and that's kind of like the big big thing in in football right now is those athletic linebackers who can get sideline to sideline that's not his game he's a physical run stopping uh get down into the gap and get nasty type of player. Um, he's not the type of player you're going to want to move into the slot, but he graded exceptionally well in coverage with two interceptions. He's a really, really good hooks and curl kind of defender. Uh, as a true Mike linebacker, and he is a true Mike linebacker, he's got the right skills for the position, and he's got the leadership that you're going to want from the middle of your defense. Uh, his combination of size, athleticism, play recognition – He's got great gap discipline. He's got coverage ability. And he's just a really playmaking type of player that you're going to want in the middle of your defense with arguably the highest floor of the entire uh, draft class in terms of all linebackers. Uh, he can be a really, really high-quality starter on an NFL defense for decades. Uh, and he's got a place as a defensive le leader waiting for him wherever he goes because he's got that high character and high communication constantly talking to defenders uh, around him. Uh, his current draft projection, he's kind of like a top 50 fringe type of player, a top five player at his position, hands down, without a doubt. Uh, and he's a defender who's tailor-made for that Mike linebacker role. And I just really like how nitty and gritty he is. Uh, and I think that he's going to go uh, in the second round and be a stalwart uh, type of player in the middle. I, I love everything I see from this guy and I love his physicality. I love his effort. Uh, and for whatever reason, Iowa just breeds linebackers. They're really, really good at developing that position group. And he's, he's just a really fun player to watch as well. Overall, it just seems like every guy that comes out of Iowa is just t a tough dude. Um, yeah. They breed plays a tough linebackers position. like no other. Well, Jack, the jackhammer is coming to the NFL stage near you and i uh, love that nickname captain jack that's captain jack's awesome. awesome no sweet and he for, you said four-year captain yeah four-year captain it comes with the territory you got to earn a name like that and so um a guy i'm talking about last linebacker on my list is auburn linebacker owen popo and this guy has a more of a traditional collegiate career four years got there as a freshman and is leaving uh, after his fourth season. And I, I think this is another guy who really, really sought after coming out of high school. He was a consensus five-star recruit. You talk about any type of um, any type of list, he was on that one. And he comes out of high school, high school, mind you, running four four sevens, jumping a 40-inch vertical, has a four-second shuttle time, like, out of high school. So obviously the Blue Bloods, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the likes of Michigan, they threw offers at him. But Ooh, he let me decided see that hit again. Hold on one second. Let's uh, let's restart yeah. that. This dude wants to play football. And so because <laughs> of he he wasn't he doesn't he didn't come out of high school to just go and take special team snaps. This dude wanted to play and you know as a freshman um, appeared in 13 games. He appeared in double-digit games every year of his career, minus 2021 when he was dealing with some injuries. But the dude is back. I think 
256 tackles, tough to do. 15 for a loss, eight sacks at the linebacker position, uh, seven passes batted down. This guy is a standout. He came, he really burst onto the scene last season, uh, earning recognition as a Butt Kiss Award semifinalist uh, with 91 tackles and three tackles for loss, two of those sacks, a pick, a three deflections, and two forced fumbles all in one season. Um, now, I, I mentioned the injuries, but I think the potential. The upside of his athletic ability, I think that's what's going to get him drafted. Well leveraged. He has a compact frame, great proportional length, and he's not going to lose out on the strength that he needs to be successful at that position, despite being long and lanky. Um, And he brings just absolute explosive athleticism. I also adds that long speed to track guys from sideline to sideline. With that length that he has, he's able to shed blockers very, very effortlessly. Um, and he attacks blockers. He like just how he attacks ball carriers. If someone is in his face threatening to keep him away in, in between, uh, he's gonna blow you up and he's gonna get off you more likely than not. Uh, where he needs to improve, working on those pursuit angles. Now he can get to the guys. I think he might rely on his athletic ability a little too much. So just but me more disciplined with his pursuit angles. I think that's going to help his game. He's not a great coverage guy. This is a purebred linebacker, not really asked of him in high school because he was just lighting dudes up. And so he's definitely going to need to adapt, learn how to carry routes, get proper depth and zone coverage. That's something that he is lacking. Um, now, even being super strong, there are times where it doesn't make sense. Like he, the play strength doesn't show up every play, um, so he needs to get a little more consistent in, in that regard. But with the dynamic, his potential and what he could become, his the unique build, the unique athleticism, just that combo, I think is going to get him drafted. Now, I don't see him go. I think he's a a, a day three pick. Um, he has some things he needs to work on, but I think he'll get there eventually. He was actually in Jason Reed's bolt beat draft going to the chargers in round five, adding some depth at that position. I think it would be a great fit at round five. I'm taking this guy, uh, cause I think the potential is there. He just needs some things he needs to work on. And, uh, I think that is all manageable and you're going to draft on athletic ability. He has that needs to tighten up on the posi- the position-specific details. Gotcha. I'm going to talk a little bit about two lanes, uh, linebacker Dorian Williams, who's been getting a lot of hype as a, a really good core special teams type of player. Uh, he was a three-star recruit from South Carolina who made a name for himself at Tulane as a dependable player on defense and special teams. Uh, he led the uh, AAC, the American Athletic Conference, in tackles in 2020, and he's a really well-respected leader within their program. Uh, he has the kind of athleticism you'd expect from a 230-pound linebacker combined with the physicality you'd expect from like a heavier one. He's got a pretty solid frame and the necessary movement skills to drop in coverage, pursue the football sideline to sideline, though his angles can be kind of hit and miss. Uh, he can close distances pretty much in a hurry uh, when cutting off routes, and he flows outside the tackles really well. Uh, he plays with a hot motor. He's got a proven capable, he's proven capable of navigating tight quarters to find the football. Uh, He struggles to take on and play through contact. He's not the biggest guy overall. Uh, His balance when taking on blocks is kind of poor. 
and his ability to deconstruct blocks and get off of them and find the ball carrier is kind of below average. Uh, he's made his share of highlight real plays as a Mike linebacker in college. Uh, he projects to be more of a core special teamer kind of in his career, though. Uh, one thing that is impressive about his college resume is all of the special teams reps. He's got over 700 reps across wow. four seasons. So he plays a lot of special teams and a team that's going to be drafting him kind of toward the sixth, maybe fifth round is going to be looking at him to play as a core special teamer because that's what he excels in. Uh, despite his limitations, he's got a uh, potential to be an impact special teamer that can provide depth as a linebacker on defense, though kind of like a really, really late depth. Uh, not a player that I would uh, feel very comfortable starting on my defense, but as a core special teamer that you can get out there and run on kickoffs, on punts, um, maybe get on the punt return as kind of a bigger blocker from the linebacker position might be something you're you're looking for. He's got the physical makeup of a starter, but he needs to get stronger. He needs to play faster and he needs to develop quickly. Uh, and his movement skills and college production are all top reasons to consider him. Uh, he projects best to be around 100 to 140 is kind of where I've been seeing him go in a lot of mock drafts, but not a player that I'm expecting a whole lot out of throughout his career. He's going to be a career special teamer if I had to take a guess. Well, and there's a role though for that. The, the, those guys, and I think we're seeing it with the Chargers, who have neglected that type of that phase. You can have core special teamers be successful. I'm thinking of we had a Charger, Daryl Stuckey. What did that guy do? Nothing but make plays on, on the third phase of the game. And so there there, there is value in, in that type of guy. Um, we also go- have one of our own. We have our own Iowa linebacker. Ironically, um, oh yeah. I uh, can't think of his name right now. Uh, Chargers depth chart, taking a look at his name right now. <laughs> but we have our own core special teamer, uh, Nick Neiman. Nick Neiman, Neiman. Does, is that kind of player. Before, for like high 4-4 speed, right? A guy that can get down the field on kickoffs. Pretty reliable tackler. Not a guy you want to play in the middle of your defense, but a guy that mm-hmm. you can rely on in special teams to to provide some sort of. Uh, and I think he led in the preseason all yeah. players in in tackles for special teams as a as a preseason guy. He did, and then I want to say he was the rookie special teamer of the year his rookie season. Yeah, so like you, there's a role for that type of player. And I think Absolutely. this guy is going to be one of those similar types of guys who who's a career uh, special teamer. And they, they you see a lot of guys. Matthew Slater made his money as a wide receiver playing special teams as a like four time Pro Bowl special teamer because guys that can get down the field and tackle, um, even if they're not a, a linebacker or a, a small defensive end, there is a room. There is room on a depth chart for a player like that. And he'll, yeah, he'll get, he'll get drafted for sure. He'll find a spot. Let's move on to. Do you want to get your first lot run back running back out of I'll the let way? You get or? First, because I already got Zach Charbonnet pulled up on the screen. So why Let's don't you do go it. ahead and tell me a little bit about Zach Charbonnet? Because this is one of my favorite linebackers in this entire class, or yeah. running backs in this entire class. I'm stoked on on this guy. Um, coming with after coming into the draft after a successful four years in college 
Um, very, very strong resume, especially these last couple of seasons. Started off his career, went to Michigan, um, transferred in 2021 to UCLA, and absolutely exploded onto the scene. In two years playing with the Bruins, nearly 2,500 rushing yards, averaging 6.3 yards per carry, 27 total uh, touchdowns, uh, 61 catches, 518 yards, 8.5 yards per catch. This dude... 3,000 all scrimmage yards. This dude can light up the box score at six foot, 214 pounds. A team like the Chargers, who needs a traditional bell cow running back, Charbonnet can fill that role. Now, he brings you the size, he has the strength. This dude can get downhill and has excellent vision and patience to, to add on top of that. Um, at his best, getting downhill north to south when he's able to be that one cut one foot in the ground, hit the hole, and hit it with a full head of steam. Um, that's where he's at the best. Very similar running style to a Derrick Henry, though he's not you know, the massive uh, human being that King Henry is. Um, now, what he does bring that is outstanding contact balance. You're not getting this guy down with arm tackles. That makes he's very powerful as a runner, uses that low, stronger body to always fall forward. And maybe not the, the most physical imposing kind of guy. He does know how to make guys miss. And he's very, very calculated with when he decides to make cuts, when he decides to get guys leaning, um, and when he decides to go through guys. Now, and he's able to do that too in full speed, in the open field, make those cuts and not lose any acceleration, which is definitely doesn't translate to, to all types of running styles. Um, now, maybe not the most versatile receiver, but as the uh, a team like the Chargers, we don't need a, a pass catching back. We got plenty of those. Um, but still has soft hands, is able to do it, just not the route runner. So I do think he's going to be nice in a Kellen Moore system. We're gonna so get dangerous in space, like screens, yeah. like in the screen game. Oh my gosh, like this guy is so fun. I don't know why he's not getting some of the same hype as Bijan. No, he yeah. Well, I I think what you're seeing with Bijan is he's elite in both run and the pass. Charbonnet is no slouch, but he's not the route runner that Bijan is. No, he's not. Um, but I think for skill fit, like we 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 don't need that. We need a serviceable three down bell cow type of running back, and that's what Chardonnay is going to be. Um, maybe want to talk about he's not going to be great because he doesn't have the breakaway speed. He's not able to break off long runs. Uh, but this dude is going to put fear into the first couple levels of the defense and absolutely terrify the third level. Because um, now, and I, I think he's he's very, very crafty, and when things are not being blocked perfectly, he's still able to churn out positive yardage. Um, overall, I, I think this was one of the easiest guys I looked at. He's going to be... Uh, an NFL starter at the running back position. Eventually the instincts are there, the vision, the size, the power, everything that you want from an NFL running back, he has it. Um, and so I see him, you, you're talking about him as a third round pick right now. That's tremendous value. It's a devalued position, but for the chargers who lack that physical presence from a physical position, I think Charbonnet makes a lot of sense. I don't think Charbonnet is going in the third round. I got to be honest. I actually, I have a first round draft pick on this guy, kind of a late first in round there. draft pick. 
And I like, him. like there's no way he makes it out of the second round. I have him graded over Jamari Gibbs. I like, know a lot of people like Jamari Gibbs because Jamari Gibbs has that kind of dual threat ability. But Zach Charbonnet is a better running back than Jamari Gibbs. Nice. Jamari Gibbs is a weapon because he's he's a shifty, fast type of player. But Charbonnet is a true running back, right? Yeah. And I don't think that the gap between him and Bijan is all that big. I mean, you're talking about a guy that Chip Kelly like loves. He loves this guy. He beats his hands on the table for Charbonnet. Charbonnet, if he would have came out last year, he would have been a first round draft pick. Well, I, I like I like the player. I just see the position is is constantly being devalued, and I think there's a lot of other like the positions that teams covet, like the receiver, the edge, the tight end position. I I just think there's a lot more to to be had early on. But I don't want to. I I could see him sneaking in there for true totally four five can. speed, thirty seven inch vertical, ten and a half or ten foot two inch broad jump. Also threw up 18 reps on the bench. So, like you said, traditional running back brings all the size and strength combinations that you would want from a prospect um, with the the production. He's coming off two of the best collegiate uh, back-to-back years that we've seen from a college running back in a while. And, and this guy can Also, let's talk about this for a quick sec. You know he was a starter as a rookie for the University of Michigan. Yeah. Right? As a rookie, and then he ends up getting like losing his starting position to Hassan mm-hmm. Haskins, and then he ends up transferring to UCLA, and he gets better with a running a with better. a with a coach who specializes in developing running backs in Chip Kelly. There's a lot to be said about that. Like Char- Charbonnet is going to be a bell cow running back in the mold of like a Nick Chubb. In three years, he's going to be one of those Bill Cal backs who just does it all for you. I like I like that comparison. I think you're spot on there. All right, I'm gonna talk. Uh, I got to talk. We have to talk about Bijan because Bijan is the the one running back that is being mocked to the Chargers. No other running back I have seen being mocked, and it's all over the whole Austin Eckler fiasco. And let me go ahead and put on his highlight film because it is tremendous. It is great. He is the best running back in this class, played for the University of Texas, and he's going to be the first running back off the board. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. A lot of teams have him as a a top 10 player in this entire draft. I think the whole running back situation is going to – I mean, running backs are devalued. So we know that he's not going to go high in the draft. But he, there's no reason that he's not going to be compared to, you know, the next best running back since Saquon Barkley to be drafted. Basically, is is the way that I'm I'm step, uh, putting this out there. Uh, so his high school career was marked with exceptional performance. He averaged 13.7 yards per carry as a high school running back, and he scored a touchdown on more than 20% of his total attempts in high school. Think about that for a second. How crazy that is. He was named the best high school football player in Arizona twice. As a junior, he was the best football player. As a senior, he was the best football player. Obviously, becomes a five-star recruit. Uh, at Texas, he continued to dominate. Uh, had 1,580 yards rushing and 18 touchdowns in 2022. So his play style is characterized by his excellent vision. And he's just super, super creative. He's got really good instincts for this position. And that allows him to see angles and manipulate space in congested areas. He's got a rare mix of patience. He's super, super decisive. 
and that allows them to use quick cuts, use the spatial awareness and acceleration to evade early contact. Uh, he's willing to lower his shoulder and go through players. He uses his mass. He's not a small running back by any means. He's agile. He's physical. And he's got that blend of both worlds that you want from the running back position as a true bell cow type of guy. But let's not forget that he's also a tremendous receiver. He's shown the ability to catch passes away from his frame, and he runs routes out of the backfield or motions, and he lines up in different spots for the offense. As a player that specializes in being a true running back, he's shown flashes as a true wide receiver as well. Uh, and a quarterback can connect with him deep down the field, and you'll see on these highlights somewhere that he's done it a couple times. Uh, he's pretty decent size, 5'11", maybe a little bit shorter, still 215 pounds, dense, compact frame. It allows him to accelerate instantly out of exchanges. Uh, he's got really impressive bursts on cuts, and he can throttle up and down uh, with the short and urgent strides that is needed for this type of position. He's always pressing forward with urgency, maintaining acceleration through arm tackles, recollecting himself after being challenged. Uh, he's got great contact balance, Has just has a tendency to stay on his feet when you would think that he'd fall over. Uh, he can lean in and out of cuts pretty effortlessly. Uh, he maintains acceleration while pressing angles in space. Uh, his short area athleticism is excellent, and he's extremely fluid with his cuts. Very light on his feet, carries acceleration from lateral to vertical really, really well. He's a very, very versatile uh, player. He's an elite runner with impressive physical traits, exceptional instincts. He has a unique blend of just patience, decisiveness, sitting. He's waiting for the, 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 the blocks to develop. And then as soon as they develop, he just hits the hole. And then he finds people in space and he makes them look silly. Super, super creative. He's a nightmare for defenders to tackle, basically. He's also that, as I said, a capable receiver. And he's a threat in run-after-catch situations. If you get him in space on screens, he's going to make people pay. That combination of elite skill sets, and there's very little that he doesn't excel at. He's going to be a top-tier running back in the NFL for a long time, as long as health continues to stay on his side. PFF projects him to come off the board in the 20s. I would not be surprised if he was a top-10 pick because he is special. And special players get drafted earlier than everybody projects. Bijan is so interesting to see, and uh, I think you're going to see him go early. Um, I don't see even at, think he's going to be around. There's no way he's going to be around. No, and I know Charger fans love him, and we're probably going to get just berated on Twitter, but I don't think there's a chance. Uh, no, anyway. I don't think so. But if he's there, right, like – You've got a, lot a replacement of for Austin Eckler next season, and you got a player that really fits the mold of what Kellen Moore wants from the position. He would take Absolutely. off so much pressure off of Justin Herbert, and he would extend Justin Herbert. Like he would push Justin Herbert to the next level because teams now really have to give a legitimate eye to the running game because he's dynamic. Could you imagine if we had a top tier running back and? I'm not saying just uh, Austin Eckler is not top tier. And I, I want to talk about Austin Eckler just a little bit. But as a back who's a true running back, not a scat back, Austin Eckler, no matter what you think of him, he's a scat back. He's not a true running back, right? Like he's a guy that you want to get out in space. He's always been at his best as a number two to Melvin Gordon. He was really great last season. Yeah, he scores a lot of touchdowns. But in the grand scheme of things, 
like Austin Eckler is a Cal Alvin Kamara. He's not a running back. He's a, he's a weapon. Yeah. Could you imagine if you teamed him up just one season, what that would do to this offense? It'd be fun, especially with the, the new head of the operation and Kellen Moore coming, coming in, um, who has experience with that same type of combination, right? Ezekiel Elliott, then you got the speedy Tony Pollard. And now they're different types, but they kind of excel in similar areas to where Bijan and, and Austin Eckler. So I think it's a, a fair comparison. And before we get into our last two running backs, I, I did want to bring up something because I think it's important to talk about, right? So with Austin Eckler, now we're talking about running backs. I got to get your take on this. Would you rather trade Austin Eckler? Let's say we got a third round pick for him. Let's say we got a second round pick for him. Just one second round pick. And I think that's a little high on the value. Would you want to trade him this year for a second round pick or let him walk in free agency next year and get a compensatory, let's call it a fifth round pick next year? Is that one year rental for a guy like Austin Eckler worth? Because you're going to get some sort of compensation for him. It's He's either going to cancel out a, a free agent signing next year. And I don't think we're going to be active in free agency next year because no. in the grand scheme of things, our cap situation, we're going to be in the same situation next year, if anything. We're going to probably be offloading players next year. Would you rather just keep him for this year, get a, a, a fifth rounder, maybe a fourth rounder as compensation back? Uh, or would you rather trade him this year? Let's say we can get a second round pick. And, yeah. And I put this out on Twitter earlier. And it, ironically, it was almost like a 50-50 split of what fans, our own fans, thought we should do. 60-something votes. And it ended up being like 55% get the compensatory pick, let him play out the last year's contract, or uh, a third round pick, right? And I'm giving you an extra, let's say we get a second, just one single yeah. second, nothing else. Yeah. Uh, you know I love my my Austin Eckler. I love and Austin. So I'm going with the, the, the known commodity because we're getting double-digit touchdowns from Austin Eckler. It's a given at this point. This dude produces he make he scores the football and so you're gonna tell me i'm gonna get a second round pick am i gonna be able to replace 18 touchdowns worth of production well, i don't think talk, so now i think just think about that that's a zach charbonnet or jamari gibbs it, it, Ooh, it, it gets really difficult that, to think about. no and it and uh, no just thinking about it like with 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 no emotion and, and no ties um it makes sense. I think you make a valid point, but I, I can't, I can't, until it happens, I am not thinking about the world where Austin Eckler is not a charger. Um, now I think he, he played his hand and it's not really as strong as he thought. Um, he's not getting the suitors. He's not getting the deals on the free agent market that he wants. What well, is going to change one more year of production, possibly well, phasing him out of the offense uh, I just don't think he's going to get. It seems like the Chargers are still negotiating with them, right? It doesn't seem like it's a, a, a done deal. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to Brandon Staley's little tiny press conference at the NFL owners meeting this week. And by the way, a couple uh, items passed. I, to be honest, I can't speak on it because I don't, I don't really know it in it. depth, but they were talking about, um, Austin Eckler's situation and how Brandon Staley believes that there is mutual interest between both sides um, and that they very much um, 
respect uh, him as a player and his value to this team. But at the same time, like, I think any sort of trade that's going to happen is going to happen right probably either before the draft or right after the draft. And it, yeah. it's kind of difficult. But this should be something that takes a while because his next contract is going to be a little bit complex, right? Because not only are you going to be giving up draft capital, but you have to negotiate a contract before the trade, right? Because the trade's not going to occur until Austin Eckler gets the contract that he wants. And so any team that is going to trade for him has to negotiate with them, which is a time-consuming process. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that it's not going to happen and that the way things are looking right now, it's not like he's not getting what he deserves. I think that there are negotiations on the table with multiple teams that are trying to figure out, out draft compensation and contract compensation. And those two items together are going to take time for anything to develop. Absolutely. Um, no, you're, you're not wrong. I'm just saying, I, I just don't think those negotiations are going as well as Austin Eckler or his team anticipated. And I think that all goes in the chargers as an organization's favor. It, Austin Eckler has expressed that he wants to come back for the right price. Chargers don't have the money to pay him that. They we don't. don't. We we got That's creative. We don't have what he wants. And now the, the question is, are other teams willing to give him what it is he wants? And we don't really know what it is in what he wants. Like In his eyes, it's like a, a market value contract for what I'm worth. And it's like... And I think his market value, I, I think I did some research and I saw some articles... It's about $12 million a year. That's a lot of money for a team that is about to extend Justin Herbert to a $50 million a year, six, seven, eight, nine, hopefully 10 year contract, right? We just so don't. What go, is yeah. the value that we can afford to Austin Eckler when, let's be real, the position is replaceable with a contract half his value? and not as big of a drop-off in production, especially if you get a Bijan or a Charbonnet or a Jamari Gibbs. Let's get into this because I want to I want uh, watch we're running this into it. game. Let's go. I'm going to go to my next guy, and this guy is kind of summed up just in his name. Tank Bigsby, the running back out of Auburn, 6'215". Talk about production. In three seasons playing in the SEC, some of the best teams, seeing Georgia every single year. This dude on 540 carries racked out 2,903 yards, over five and a half yards per carry. Added another nearly 500 yards in the receiving game. Brings you 25 touchdowns, double-digit touchdowns in each of the last seasons. In just 13 games this sophomore season, 12, 12 games last year. Uh, another guy who can get in the end zone. And this is another really good athlete. Not only did he excel in football in high school, but this guy is coming as a varsity letterman in track and field, as a long jumper, as a sprinter in the 100 meter, the 4 by 100, the 400 meter. He brings that explosive energy from the track, and you could see it on the tape. The dude can get downfield, and he can do it in a hurry. Um, really, really important part of the Auburn Tigers offense these last couple of seasons. And like I said, the dude 
can smell the end zone. He's addicted to scoring touchdowns. And because of it, was an, the SEC freshman of the year, was a first-team freshman, was an all-SEC pick last season as an all-purpose back. Um, when he's getting north to south, he's one of those guys who's always fallen forward. And then he does have the breakaway speed to turn a five-yard gain into a house call. Um, great vision, great anticipation to find those cutback lanes, to utilize the, just the, the gaps that present themselves for a millisecond. He's in there. The ability to quickly change his path and, and avoid big hits. Um, he also knows how to generate his power into explosiveness and do that all while cutting and making a guy miss. Um, very, very talented as a vertical and a lateral horizontal cutter, especially in space, has adept processing skills, knows how to really exploit those gaps in those in the running zone concepts, um, and does a really good job of reading the defensive line leverage. You know, he uses the path that guys are coming downhill to his advantage. Once he breaks into the open field, you're looking, it's a track meet. Good luck trying to catch this guy from behind. You're seeing that track background hopping off the screen right here. That ability to turn 40-yard runs into 100-yard runs. Um, really also, uh, I think a quiet part of his game is his ability to get up in the pocket as, as a pass protector. Um, wasn't always there when he got to Auburn, but definitely becoming more and more reliable as a blocker uh, this last couple of seasons. And when he's able to get his lower body and explode that into defenders, uh, sometimes you can see him going a little too high and getting cut, but I, I think getting him in the right system, he's a very, very talented guy, quick at his, with his processing, especially in zone schemes, uh, vision, the footwork, all of that's there. Um, I think you could kind of see with his size, his build, especially the touchdown production. People are talking about him as the next Dalvin cook. Um, they're talking about him as the next this year's Kenneth Walker. Um, I don't love comparisons, but you can't help, but notice that those guys with the size that blend with the production on top of it, teams are got this guy on his, on their radar um, and he's going to become a standout running back. I think it'll take a couple seasons, uh, but Tank Bigsby, watch out. Auburn prospect, he's going to go. Third round pick is safe for him, um, but I, I think this guy is a bruiser, and I, I'm excited to see his play at the next level as well. I'm going to talk about um, Tajay Spears. For whatever reason, Tajay Spears is not getting the same amount of hype as some of the other great running backs, and I don't get it. So he played his college football at Tulane, kind of a not the not the football school you'd expect. Uh, he's played displayed abilities as an explosive runner with easy acceleration. He's got great breakaway speed that enables enables him to gain a significant amount of yardage. He has led Tulane in rushing yards for two seasons in a row, while averaging nearly seven yards per carry. He's also really comfortable functioning in either a, a zone or a gap. Uh, gap scheme, uh, which is great because Tulane blended those two different run styles, uh, running uh, offenses for him. His competitive nature and his ability to battle through contact makes him a really impressive player on the field. He's got a kind of a narrow build, which kind of holds him back 
uh, and it limits his potential as a, a true workhorse back. And he's probably more suited to be a complementary piece at the next level. His modest production as a pass catching back, uh, coupled with that inconsistent performance in pass protection, it raises concerns about his ability to fill in at that role. Uh, he missed Tulane really missed on an opportunity to really get him involved as a, as, as a pass catcher and as a returner up to the special teams units. That would have really made him much more appealing to NFL teams, but Tulane just didn't do it. But if you look at him, he's got a lot of the skill sets that could suggest he could be dynamic in that role. Last season, he had over 1,500 yards rushing. That's elite production on any school. It doesn't matter where you're going to school at. He also scored 19 touchdowns. Uh, he's good at forcing missed tackles. He had 66 uh, last season, which ranked in the 30s among all football players. Uh, and he had 1,052 yards after contact last year, which ranked the sixth most in, in the NCAA. Uh, what that tells me is that breakaway speed, like that ability to hit the big play, it's always there. His big play ability and those competitive instincts makes him a really valuable asset for really any team. While most teams are going to want to focus on the lack of his size, uh, Spears has shown the potential to become a truly dynamic second option. He's small, 5'10", 201 pounds, but he's big. He's got big hands. He has 10-inch hands. For a guy that small to have those big of hands, uh, and then you take into account that he tested really, really well in explosiveness drills at the NFL Combine. Any player getting over 30-inch, 6-inch vert is pretty dynamic. He was at 39, a broad jump, 10 and a half feet. I mean, those are elite numbers that shows his explosiveness. He also put up 18 reps of 225 on bench press as a smaller player. You look at that and you go, ah, I can see some things here that could translate to the NFL level. Uh, he's an explosive runner. He's got easy acceleration. He's got that breakaway speed. He's got competitiveness. He's got instincts. Really, he's going to be a really valuable player. One of my favorite prospects in this class. I've got a second round draft pick on this guy because I just see wow. him. Like he just, he's really, really good. And I think that when you take into account like the small stature and the fact that he's not a Let's be real, like he's not an every down back, but if a guy like Jamari Gibbs is getting second round hype, why is this guy not? Because he's very similar in that skill set. He just doesn't go to the big school of Alabama or Clemson or some of the big schools that you're looking for. He's, he went to school at Tulane, but like this guy, like watch all of these breakaways and all these big plays that he's getting and he forces his way into the end zone. I mean, he had 19 touchdowns. Look at him just run through contact there, like. Yeah, he's a small frame, but he does big things. Like, watch this. Watch it. Like, get off nice. of me. And making guys miss and getting into the corner and beating people to the corner for the touchdown. 19 touchdowns, that's tremendous value. And he's making guys, like, I just, I love everything about this player. I think he's underhyped. And I think he's going to get drafted a lot higher than a lot of people were expecting. I went looking for, uh, for, uh, scouting reports on this guy to kind of use as, as a foundation for some of the things I was going to say. And I couldn't find almost anything like nobody wanted to break him down all that in depth. You go to PFF and they end up putting, now here's a guy like they don't have any information on this guy, but just watch him go like watch him all these cuts and breaks. He's a tremendous football player and somebody that is, somebody's going to find a gem. This is going to be your James Robinson who went undrafted type of guy. I like it. All right.
Um, last guy on my list. We're talking. We're gonna keep with the the the, the small frame running backs. I don't think the 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 fit schematically makes sense for the Chargers and what they need from the position. But I really really like the tape of Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. That Kansas State football program has been up and coming for a while now. Playing in the Big Twelve, it's not a slouch type of uh, conference. Um, Kansas State is a legitimate football program right now and deuce vaughn this dude was it was fun to watch now he's only five six he's only 176 pounds i know there's larger more crazy more imposing type of players but he's the outlier here um he's and you so can just take to just take a look at his stats um every season he's had at least a thousand all scrimmage yards these last Two years, sophomore season and his final year, over 1,800 yards. And so on his career, 5,000 total yards of, of all scrimmage yards, 43 total touchdowns in three years on the ground, also added seven through the air. Really, really versatile player. Um, this guy is fast. You, you said it. And now I, I know he's not going to – scare guys once he gets in you know onto the field come pregame but his ability to turn out yardage his ability as a receiver which is extremely threatening that's what's going to cause people mismatch problems that agility that speed there's not a lot of guys that can keep up to him with regardless of stature um and now with that speed he gets out of, of a lot of close corner situations where you think he's balled up by a bigger defender it doesn't matter he uses that vision he uses that quick short area agility to get out from underneath that he knows how to let his blocks develop in front of him before exploding through the hole and turning out big play after big play for those wildcats last season um the receiving skills are i think where he really really shines you see that just snags the ball out of the air and then instantaneously knows how to make guys miss loves to dance and get around guys I, I get the size limitations he's not massive he's not a good fit for what the chargers need but for a a, a team who doesn't have the austin eckler doesn't have an alvin kamara who needs a yard off to catch a, a big play type of of player um he brings that now because of his size he's going day three He's going to be a late pick, um, but his playmaking ability, that's all there. That agility in short areas, that's going to make him valuable, especially in a scheme that can scheme guys open and get playmakers into space. Deuce Vaughn, uh, he's going to make a lot of plays at the next level. It's just a matter of can we get him in the right role? He's not going to be a bell cow running back. He's going to need a Melvin Gordon to his Austin Eckler. Um, and they're not the same in, in, in style at all. Austin Eckler is a much more physical running back than Deuce Vaughn, uh, but still. The, the, the I got a comparison for you. Go for it. What do you got? All right, here's my comparison. Yeah, I why do, why can't I think about that? Yeah, uh, we Sproles was five eight. Um. That's very, that I mean, Darren Sproles, Kansas State. Are you kidding me? Like, that is the same exact player. Five, six. Close. 
190 pounds at his heaviest. Have, I yeah. mean, he's that twitching guy that you're going to throw on kick returns and punt returns. And he's just, that's that's who he is. He went to Kansas State. He looks just like him. He's got he's, the same running style. He is he's, Darren Sproles. He's 180 in pads after a four-course meal. So, now, Darren Sproles definitely added some, some weight when he got into the NFL. If Deuce Vaughn can do that, you got a versatile kick returner, punt returner type of guy and an absolute dynamite in the jet sweeps, the screen game. Um, this guy can make plays uh, just a little small, so needs to find the right the right landing spot. But I, I think he could turn out a, a decent career at the next level. All right. I'm going to break down our last player. I'm going to talk about Zach Evans, Ole Miss running back. Let me go ahead and get this started for you guys to watch, and then let me talk a little bit about him. All right, so Zach Evans went to Ole Miss. He was a five-star recruit, uh, one of the highest-rated uh, recruits in his draft class. You're talking about guys that were like B. John Robinson, like Jamari Gibbs. Evans was the number two overall running back prospect in his class. His natural talent and athleticism, he was a really highly coveted player who initially signed with TCU and ended up transferring to Ole Miss. As an NFL draft prospect, Evans has been endlessly compared to Robinson and Gibbs as one of those guys that you just look at and you compare their careers together, and he's going to be one of those guys you compare their careers together for a while. He may not be at the same level as a prospect today, but he's got a lot of comparable upsides to those counterparts, and he's very, very good, very, very good in his own right. He's known for that natural running ability and well-proportioned frame, which is easily projectable to the next level. With his frame, he also brings an elite long track explosiveness and exceptional long strider and acceleration in space. He's very well balanced when stacking acute angle adjustments and accelerating upfield. He can gallop around solo defenders at the line of scrimmage, and he quickly recollects his stride in space. He's a very, very fluid athlete who can stress to uh, – defenders laterally while moving vertically he's never run for over a thousand yards in his career but it's more of the fact that he's been in such deep running back rooms his entire career it's not lack of effort it's not lack of talent it's just situation and where he's been so last year he split the backfield with Quentin Judkins who had over 1500 yards rushing for Ole Miss last year and he's the true threat. He's a guy that's going to go in the first round next season. In 2021, during his time at TCU, he split time with Kendra Miller, who's going to be a pretty high draft pick in his own right and help lead TCU to a national championship. Uh, I mean, you're talking about Kendra Miller being a mid-round pick. You're looking at uh, Judkins, who's potentially going to be a first-round pick next season. I mean, he's just been in crowded backfields his entire career that shouldn't take away from his own pedigree. I mean, he was a five-star recruit, and he still looks the part of a complimentary back with legit 4-4-5 speed that he ran at his pro day. He's a really, really good running back. He's physical, uh, and I just don't think that he's been in a situation where he can be a lead back. Uh, he's always been a complimentary back. Um, he averaged, you know, seven yards per carry. Like, he's a good running back. He just hasn't had the same opportunity as a lot of the other top running backs in, in this class. Now, the one thing that does kind of worry me a little bit 
is he was kind of passed over. Uh, he left TCU to try to get more opportunity and ended up taking a, a you know, a, a, a position as a complementary piece to a better running back. So it makes me wonder what his ceiling is, and I don't think it's that high. But as a player who showed that he can be physical, he can run around defenders, um, I just wonder whether or not he's going to be what you want him to be. I mean, there, like, look at him break those tackles and then continue to just run, drive his legs, stay on his feet. He's excited. I just, I don't know what his ceiling is. I feel like he's got a really low floor and he's got a really high ceiling. And those are your typical boomer bust prospects. Um, we'll see what ends up going with him. Any closing remarks on these running backs? Um, any thoughts on uh, some surprises that you may have watched? I, I want to know what your thoughts are of Jamari Gibbs. Uh, I, I think Jamari Gibbs is... is I, I think all of these guys are great that we talked about. My... My guys at the top of the list, I think Bijan is 1A. I think Charbonnet is 1B. And then a solid, solid number two at the position is uh, Jamari Gibbs. Um, now, they all kind of give you a little bit of a, a different type of play. Uh, Jamari's a little faster. Charbonnet is more of the bruiser. And then Bijan gives you that kind of versatility. And so I could see you getting enamored by each and every one of those guys. Um, I think that the... The big key, and, and it'll really dictate the the way those other guys go, is B. John a top ten pick? I think he is. I think he's a generational talent. I would be surprised if he goes past ten. If he does, teams are going to be chomping at the bit to trade up and grab a guy like that, especially if they need depth at the position. Um, but that's kind of you know my thoughts at at, at least on on this uh, position group. Let's, uh, let's not forget on our website, you can take a look at a lot of the players that we've been talking about and some others that we haven't. I've been doing a lot of scouting reports for a lot of different players here. You're looking at Trenton Simpson, who's projected to be a first round prick. I have Henry Toto as a, another second round pick. You can read all of our scouting reports on all of these different players. Uh, we do not have the running backs up quite yet. I'm still doing some work there, um, but Go and take a look at some of our scouting reports on our, our website. Uh, feel free to also subscribe to us if you like a lot of the content that we're putting out. Uh, I've been doing a ton of scouting reports. You can look at edge. You can look at uh, X wide receivers, slot wide receivers, Z wide receivers. I'll have running backs up here in a little bit. Uh, you'll find tight ends, quarterbacks. Um, you can talk a little bit about Don Coriel. This is all stuff that's right on our front page. You can find our podcast there. You can learn a little bit about us. A lot of content that I've been putting and pushing to this website uh, as much as I can. So give it a read and let me know what you guys think. Feel free to comment, subscribe, um, and let us know how we're doing. We still have a ton of stuff to give away. Uh, my background's a little messy, but for the most part, all that stuff is giveaways that we're going to be doing around draft time. Uh We'll figure out exactly how we're going to do that here very, very soon because we're a month away from the NFL draft. We got Ooh. four weeks, and we got to still break down defensive backs. We got to break down um, interior defensive linemen. Uh, what else have we left out? We're not going to be breaking down quarterbacks. Uh, offensive uh, linemen, I think we need to still break down as well. And then the big boys up front. Yeah, so we got some work to do. Bear Thank with us. So much for listening. 
as soon as I find our outro, we will get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening over now.